So welcome to those who are watching us in a recording. We're so pleased that you are joining us, even if it's not physically. Welcome ladies. Um, today came out of many conversations, um, many, many gut-wrenching conversations um, about a, a journey of God teaching, leading, speaking. Um, and I, I've been flip, trying to figure out how to say this, but let's just say I am so eternally grateful for my beautiful sister Anita, and I'm going to get emotional because the patience and wisdom and encouragement and the patience, and did I mention patience, <laughs> that she has poured out and gifted me in the last few years has just blessed me beyond measure. I don't think in this lifetime I will ever be able to understand just how, what a gift that has been. Anita is an incredible hard worker. She is an incredibly open person. She's open to God. She's encouraging. She presses in. She's a learner and she's a wise teacher. And, um, and so today um, we're going to be hearing from Anita first and then myself later. But um, I wonder if you wouldn't mind standing to honour our pastor, our sister, and our friend, Anita Greeny. Thank you. What an introduction. I'm like, this woman sounds amazing. I'd love to meet her one day. <laughs> you can be seated. Oh, isn't God amazing? You know, whenever I think about Jesus, I just can't help it. And when I think about what he's done on the cross, it gets me here every time. My kids always say, are you going to cry again, Mum? <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. But he's so real. Aren't you glad we don't have a dead God, that we have a living God? Um, you know, I've been to Israel, checked out a couple of the sites where they think the tomb of Jesus might be. And there's one thing in common with both sites stone and an empty space because <laughs> our God is alive Woo! well we're going to to start off with prayer and um, we're going to launch right in to our boot camp so let's pray father God we thank you for the opportunity today to leave everything aside and to press into you as your daughters Lord we thank you for what you have in store for us um, the blessings the the liberation that you have on the other side of today. Lord, the way you want to equip and empower us, we ask, Lord, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. Um, Lord, em enable us to receive all that you have for us. Open us up, Lord, to completely hear you and be changed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm just going to get my fabulous little clicker. Boot camp. I wore a kind of boot 
<laughs> a summer sort of boot because um, I am ready to get into this. Now, I want you to look at this. Who feels like getting involved in some of that? No. <laughs> oh, when I Googled pictures for boot camp, it was hilarious. The stuff that came up and there was one common theme. They all looked like they were being pushed and ugh. Well, this kind of boot camp is a spiritual boot camp. And what happens in boot camp is training. Often training, physical training, but mental training as well. And today is about mental and spiritual training. Because if you haven't noticed, the world's gone a little bit crazy. <laughs> we need to be equipped to do what God has called us to do in this generation. Amen. We need to be able to... Um, be valiant women of God. All right, I'm going to start off with a dream that I had oh, some months ago now. Um, in the dream, I was standing in a crowd of people. I don't, didn't recognize any of the faces, but there was one thing in common on all of the faces, and I would have to use the word hostility to describe it. So the people around me were hostile. They were looking at me with glaring eyes. Um, there was a lot of distrust and a lot of, I could sense it wouldn't take much for them to attack me. And I was surrounded by them. And in the dream, I felt like the Lion of Judah rise up inside me. And I, and I looked these people in the eyes and these words came out of my mouth. I said, I am a daughter of the Most High God. And when I said that, they just began to move and I just walked right through them. And each time I would look at someone else and I'd say, I am a daughter of the Most High God. And the authority I felt in that moment was incredible. And then I woke up and I'm like, whoa, I'm a daughter of God. But I want us to remember that. We are daughters of God, which does mean we have position and we have authority. Now, if you think about royalty, they are born with position and they are born with authority. We have been reborn into position and into authority. We are daughters of God. Now, why is that important? And that might sound really basic, like, well, I know that. You're not telling me anything new. I think what happens, and um, most of us in this room would have parents who are now maybe aging a little bit. Some of us have parents who've already gone on to be with the Lord. But your role as daughter tends to change the older you get. Um, where it was, you know, your mum or dad doing all the inputting. There does come a time when as a daughter, you feel like you've got something to give now to your parents. And we need to remember we are a daughter, daughters of God. He has given us so much. And we have to remember that and then look for the opportunity. Okay, I'm now 
useful to the farmer. My daughter is taller than me now, and it's quite useful to me. <laughs> Dear, would you mind grabbing? Oh, I'm this much too short, Melanie! You see, as much as I love those little baby cheeks she had, and that beautiful look on her face in the cot when she was asleep, it's wonderful that my daughter is growing up and becoming who she is. And that's what God wants for us. We're not to stay baby daughters. We're to become mature daughters that can be helpful in the family. We have a role in the family of God, an amazing role. Look, the number one thing is that we have to find our identity in Christ. Now, we might say, I know who I am in Christ. I want to take you... Uh, back a little ways in my life, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm probably looking at maybe seven, eight years ago, um, there was a period of time where I was looking at my husband and I was seeing all the things he wasn't doing for me and all the things that he should have been doing. And I was becoming really resentful. And, um, and so I would decide, because I'm generally a peace peacekeeper. But one day I decided I am going to have my say. And I felt like God said to me, that's not going to go well. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't care because after however many years of marriage, I will learn to have a say. And so I said, well, husband, it'd be great if you did this and change that and become better at this and blah, blah, blah. And he slept in the other room that night because he didn't appreciate my beautiful advice. <laughs> and, um, and it got a little bit heated. And I said to the Lord, well, that man, you know, you need to talk to him. What's interesting is it didn't seem like he heard what I said. Instead, he chose to talk to me. And... Um, and he said to me, Jeremy can never give you what you're looking for. That can only come from me. And I went, what? He said, I am the perfect man. You know, the world is like, look for your perfect man, Mr. Right. God said, I am your perfect man. Let me love you. Let me fill you. And let me worry about Jeremy. But first, we need to work on our relationship. So I began to not even think about Jeremy and I in that sense anymore. And I just started pressing into God. And I would wake up and I would be so just filled with how wonderful he was. Do you know how when you're in love, they say the grass is greener, the roses smell sweeter? I mean, I got so full of God. I was like, oh, honey, you're just the best man I've ever met. <laughs> What was amazing though was without me saying a single word, he changed in all the areas I wanted him to change. I didn't say a word. In fact, I had one big lesson and that was this. What you choose to focus on. There were so many things Jeremy was doing right, but I was focusing on the few that he was doing wrong. And when I began to look at all the that my husband did for me in the family, 
I felt so much gratitude. I didn't even notice the things that he didn't do anymore. Because if I was to sit down and write a list, I'm sure that my list of what I wasn't doing could very well equal or surpass his. But he didn't say to me, oh, you're doing this or not doing that. Or No, he allowed me the grace to develop and change as God led me. So our identity in Christ is really important. When we have our love tank filled with him, anything else is like cherry on the top. It's just a, oh, that's nice, but I don't need it, you know. Um, a bit like if you've had a very satisfying meal and you look at dessert, you could give or take. You don't need it. But you're satisfied with the meal. That's what God wants us to be like in him, that we are so captivated by his goodness and his grace and who he is that anything else that we get is just a bonus on top. But it's not our main meal. He becomes our main source. I want to show you um, this next slide. This has been a verse that God has throughout my life many, many times brought to me. Because um, as women, we do get very busy. We get Our lives get very full. And from time to time, the Lord will say to me, come away, just come away with me. Let's just be together. And they're always beautiful moments. Song of Solomon, arise my darling, my beautiful one, and come away with me. It also says, my beloved spoke and said to me, rise up my love, my beautiful one, and come away. If we truly grasp those words, God is looking at us and saying, my love, my beautiful one, the God who made heaven and earth thinks you are beautiful. And he wants your attention. He wants your time. Arise, my darling. Can you hear the affection in those words? Come away with me. When we come away with him, everything gets put into perspective. Everything changes. All the things that have overwhelmed us shrink back down to their proper size. Come away with me. More than ever, I believe God wants us to be women who are single-hearted in our pursuit of God so that God is our everything. You know, for me, Christianity, Jesus, he's not an accessory like my handbag. He's not just someone I carry around and, you know, use occasionally when I need to find something. He is my everything. He is my all-consuming desire, my very thought the moment I wake up. It's him. He wants us to be like that bride prepared for her husband. You know, if, um, if it was a day or two before our wedding day and someone said to us, oh, are you excited? You must be so excited. The wedding's almost here. And you said, oh, don't tell me bad news like that. Um, you'd have to wonder if that wedding was perhaps <laughs> going to work, right? If that marriage was going to work. 
because they, by that point they should be saying, two sleeves, two sleeves to go. I'm nearly there, nearly going to be my beloved. Look, I stumbled across this amazing um, video and it's a bride on her wedding day. And as she's walking down the aisle, she is singing, but she's actually singing to her first love. She sings to Jesus. And her husband's standing there so affected, so in tune, and they're both like, he is our everything. And our union is just to highlight really what, what he is to us. And this also reminds me that very soon we are going to hear a trumpet sound. And we're going to hear those words, come, come my beloved, the wedding feast is prepared, come and be with me. And he doesn't want a bride that goes, oh what, it's about time already, oh my goodness. Hey look, I, I probably need another three, four days, is that alright? I just got a few things to wrap up. No, he wants a bride that goes, Yes, at last. Jesus, I'm coming. Have a look at this. Uh, I might just turn it up a bit. Yeah. 
amazing, hey? Oh, just that love. And you can feel God just descending on that moment, just in, you know, rapture of what was happening. Whew. That is where he wants to bring us, to the place where he's out everything. We are so in love with him. And, um, and he's all we need. I want to show you this beautiful picture. You know, the scripture says, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. We don't have a high priest who can't understand us. We have a high priest, it says, who's moved with what's, what is troubling us. It moves him because he's been there. He's walked in our shoes. He knows exactly what it's like. He completely understands. He doesn't say, oh, that, that sounds tough, but I've never been through anything like that. No, he was in all points tempted as we are. I love this picture because it shows the scars in Jesus' hands. And there he is embracing his daughter, willing to make her whole, willing to share her pain, willing to take her on a journey. And I believe God is willing and wanting to take us on a journey here today. All right. I want to talk about accepting God's gifts. Now, what kind of gifts do you think God gives? What do they look like? I haven't ever received chocolates from heaven, but um, what is something that God might be wanting to give you in your life? As we go throughout today, I want you to think about that and write it down. Uh, if you didn't get a notebook, pen and communion on your way in, do go and grab that because um, we can, we will be using that throughout the day. So um, what, what are the gifts that God has for us? Okay, his gifts are always love. They're always full of love and it's always for our benefit to bring us into a closer relationship with him, to make our character more in line with his character. His gifts are good gifts, but they often don't come in pretty wrapped boxes. Let me show you often the way God works in our lives, okay? <laughs> he tends to come with his tools. <laughs> now, I have been doing a lot of gardening, and I had this one garden bed. It was relatively easy to clear. And I'm like, That's, that was great. You know, I got through that really quick. Um, but, it's not wanting to stay there. I'm going to sit him over here. As I got deeper into the garden bed, ready to plant, uh, I was in for a whole lot of surprises. <laughs> We're going to have a look at some scriptures. Okay, Jeremiah 1.10. God said these words to Jeremiah. They've often been used in my life, and I know they are very pertinent for us today. See, today, oh, how relevant. Today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Often, and this was the same when I was looking at 
my husband and only focusing on the, the things that were annoying me. Um, God had to, to actually come and uproot some faulty mentalities in my life. And I have always found this. We often try to start with the last two. Let's build and let's plant. But God says, no, the process is actually uproot, tear down, destroy and overthrow. Then we get to build and plant. But those first four words are not nice words. I don't want those gifts here. You can have those ones back. Thank you. I'll have the build and plant. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 15, 13. Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. It's very important that what we allow to grow and mature in our lives is what the Father has planted. Because if we have stuff that the Father hasn't planted, it's going to cause issues. All right. So we're going to have a look at this uprooting concept. And I want to start with this picture. So this is the garden bed that I cleared. It had been covered in leaves and twigs and stuff and, um, and weeds. It was like, well, that was easy. And then when I got the shovel in to make a hole for the strawberries, I came across more roots than I think I've ever seen in a garden bed. And that's only a little section that you saw, right? Like, that's not a very big section. But I got a huge black garbage bag full of roots. Now, some people say, well, roots are good. They, the bacteria breaks them down, creates food for the new plants. But there's other issues with roots if they're left under the surface. And that is that they can reshoot and grow again. Now, if this had been my strawberry plants that I was trying to put in here, I wouldn't mind if they grew again. But this was weeds, and I really did not want them coming again. Have any of you ever experienced times where you feel like you're here? I've dealt with all my stuff. I'm good. Anyone been there? Yes. And then God goes a little deeper, and you go, ooh. Didn't know that was there. Oh, you know, I found some sore spots I didn't know I had recently after gardening. Um, in fact, this entire arm went numb. I couldn't even feel it. And I, I, I wasn't sure what was going on. I thought maybe I have to go up to the hospital. Um, Cindy, who I work with, said, oh, yes, I had that once. It was actually a pinched nerve in my neck. So I sort of was feeling around. Oh, is there anything there? Got down to about here. And wow, I knew I was alive. Oh, that was a tender spot. And um, I'm sitting there going, oh, oh. And that, that spot was sending pain down my entire arm. So I realized I'd hit a sore spot. But that was the root of my problem. And this is how we are often with the Lord, right? We have all these, like we, we sort of do surface stuff. I, I deal with so much. And God's good. He knows what we can handle. He's not going to give you more than you can handle. 
But there does come a point that he says, well, now I want to plant the new season of your life. But um, we're going to have to deal with the deep-rooted stuff because what's going to happen is those old roots are going to grow up and they're going to take all the nutrition from your new plants. And there's not going to be enough room for both. Now, probably another reason why I hurt my shoulder so much is you can't really see it there, but there was one that was so long it wouldn't fit in, in my big um, plastic bag. This root was just so long. And this thing, you can tell I'm not affected by it at all. It was so long and so big, and I had tried everything, and I'd hoed down deeper and deeper and got under it. And you know how you use both hands, and you tug and you tug, and, and I can get a little bit stubborn, and I'm like, you're a root. You're not going to defeat me. I'm strong. Come on, come on. Come on, we can do it. And I'm like, and I got this, man, that feeling. <laughs> in the bag. And God was really speaking to me, saying, yeah, sometimes the stuff is so deep-rooted, we need to get in some extra help to get in there and pluck that thing up. Because some of these roots had been so long established that they thought they belonged there. And I have a different story. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't belong in my garden. This is where God wants to take us today. Are you ready for the gifts he wants to give you? For the tools that he wants to bring into your garden? The things he wants to uproot? The reason he wants to uproot them is because they are toxic to your future. We can't leave them undealt with, even though on the surface... It looks fine. It looks like we're fertile soil. But underneath is the issue. God wants to bring us to a place where we can truly blossom in Him, where we are free, free of our past, free of our insecurities, free of our fears, free of our anxieties, free of those things that have kept us bound. Now, it's interesting. Um, uh, at youth group last night, we had just started the first song, and all of a sudden, one of the teenagers just ran out the door crying. And I went, oh, that's all right. So I followed, and I sat with them, and, and I said, what's going on? And they said, I don't know. And this is what happens with roots, just like with when I don't know what's wrong until someone pushed the spot. Oh, now I know. We all have triggers and we can be absolutely fine. This is particularly the case as well in grief. I know when um, my mum died and I'd worked through so much over school holidays and I'd gone back to work, it was a new, new school year and I was actually fine in that moment, I was okay. Um, until a mother and a daughter walked through the door. And out of the blue, I wasn't okay anymore. Um, I'd been triggered. That sore spot had been poked. And I had to duck out the back and I'm bawling and I'm a mess. I'm never going to walk in the door with my mum again. And, you know, I, I wasn't expecting that moment. But 
These triggers come and they're usually connected to something deep down inside of us. And this person at youth last night had no idea what it was that had suddenly triggered them. But something had awakened that there was, there was um, an issue that needed to be worked through. And this is what I believe God is wanting to do today. He wants to get in and get his hands dirty pulling out those roots. We have to be willing. Now, it may sound painful, it may seem like it might be painful, but do you know that feeling after you've had a good cry? Don't you feel good? Like, you know, you've had this cleanse and then you're like, it doesn't always mean crying either, but but, um, like that satisfaction when that garden bed was actually cleared and was cleared underneath. Oh, it was worth the pain. I'm going to get beautiful strawberries. You can make some jam for the mum. I tell you, it's worth it if we want that fruit in our lives. Jeremiah, he said, tell, I've, I've set you over nations because I want you to uproot and to tear down. So God wants to actually tear down the things that are stopping us, the mentalities that are holding us back, there's plenty of them. I still find them. In fact, um, stress is something I've really had to go on a journey with the Lord and work through. Um, Because, like, sometimes I'm reacting to my kids and I don't even know why because my reaction is out of proportion for the moment. And I'll draw back and I'll say, Lord, what's really going on? And he'll show me, you're really actually upset and worried about this and this and this. It has nothing to do with this, but it's in the back of my mind. And then underneath all of that, peel back all those layers, is a root of perfectionism. My mum and dad, um, strong believers, and my sister and I have followed the Lord since we were very young. My sister gave her life to the Lord when she was only three years old. And um, and all of my mum's family would look to our family to set the example. And all the cousins would look to us to be perfect. Like, if they had questions, we had to have the answers. And um, we weren't allowed to have a bad day. We were pastor's kids. My mum was a children's pastor. And so we were sort of under this pressure that we always had to get it right. And so God, God begins to peel back the layers of my stress and say, what's really bothering you is this perfectionism sitting over here that's telling you you're not good enough because you haven't finished this and you haven't done that and you haven't achieved this and you, why haven't you got that done? Every other woman can do it. Why can't you manage it? Has anyone ever had those thoughts? <laughs> I don't know why we think everyone else is some superhuman person and we're not, but the reality is we all have limitations. We all do the very best of what we've got. But for me, one of the deep-rooted things in my life has been perfectionism. Um, and that, that is like this horrible weed, this horrible root that then under, undermines so much of what God wants to do. Because instead of saying, wow, 
look what was achieved. It's always, oh, but we didn't do this and we didn't get that. And we, we should have, you know, celebrate the wins because of all the things you think you still should have or must have. So that's something that God is dealing with me about. But I know that we all have our own deep-rooted stuff. And isn't it amazing that God knows all our stuff? He is the gardener, the ultimate gardener. And he knows exactly what fertiliser your life needs, exactly how much watering or, oh my goodness, they're waterlogged, let's put the sunshine on, you know. Um, he knows how to grow us and prepare us for the future he has for us. So that's what we're wanting to start off with today. But what I'm going to do now is, Sue wouldn't mind helping me, I'm going to give you all a little bag. Um, feel free to use a page out of your notebook or... I can get you some paper if you want a tear off one. Um, but as the day progresses, why don't you write down some of those things um, that you believe God wants to give you, that the roots have maybe been hindering. Do you really know you're loved and valued? I, is it mental assent? Because often we go, yeah, I know God loves me. But what is the talk in your head if you stuff up? Do you still feel incredibly loved in that moment? Do you feel like the Father is rejecting you? Or are you secure that Daddy loves me no matter what? Those are the things. So what are the gifts that God wants to give you? What is it that he's looking to give you? And maybe we've been saying that's too hard. You know, like when people say, oh, no, no, I, uh, I'm not opening that box. I'm not ready to deal with it. I can relate to that. I've still got a few boxes left that we packed up of my dad's things and mum's things when dad died. And, um, you know, one day I was like, oh, right, I need to start sorting all this stuff out, open the box and, oh, yeah, no, I don't need to keep that, keep that. <gasps> open it up a bit further, a bit deeper, and, and there was something of dad's that was very precious and, and I put it back in the box and I shut the lid and I went, actually, I'm not ready to deal with this today. <laughs> I think we all have those moments where we go, yeah, you can keep that one for now because I know you're saying you want to give me wholeness and you want to give me love and you want to give me kindness and you want to give me grace and compassion and fulfilment and purpose and all those things. But if I'm going to receive those things, I'm going to have to open that box and I don't want to open that box. So we just... We just sit it there for another day. But this is that day. Remember how that scripture started? Today. Today. If we are game and we're willing to trust our Heavenly Father, He's going to take out the deep-rooted stuff and set us free. And I'm up for that. <laughs> so, all right. I would like to come around communion now, if we can. Did everybody get a communion as they came in? Yep. All right. Um, that's just the most beautiful picture with the sun shining on her. I want us to remember our position this morning, our position in Christ. You are a daughter of God a very loved daughter of God. There actually isn't anything he wouldn't do for you. He doesn't have favourites. He doesn't do stuff for me and say, yes, yeah, sorry. 
We kind of ran out of compassion today. Try tomorrow. <laughs> oh. Sometimes I get myself in such a tither and I feel like the Lord is just waiting. You know, like um, we have a little kitten at home at the moment and she loves to play in plastic bags, any bags, shopping bags, it doesn't matter, any kind of bag. But one time she got herself into this bag and I don't know how she wove herself in and out of the handles, but she was really trapped. And I'm like, would you like a hand? No, you know, I've got this. Okay. I keep watching. And she, I mean, this thing, the bag and her going all over the floor. It was really quite entertaining. And, uh, but finally, she gets to the point, meow, mum, <laughs> help. And then I can lovingly reach down and untangle it all and lift her out. And that's what I feel like God is wanting to do for us today. Whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready to put your hand up and say, oh, <laughs> that's his favourite moment because he gets to be daddy and step in and lovingly and gently, gently lift us out and hold us. It says God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whenever I feel like, oh, where are you, God? I only have to look at the cross and I remember you're the ever-present help. You're not a distant God. You're a God that came. There's a, um, a song and I don't actually know any other lines to it, but I've heard it playing sometimes in stores and on the radio or whatever. This is, what if God was one of us, just the same as one of us, or something like that. Does anyone know that song? <laughs> I only know those lines. But I always think, oh, can we hit pause? I want to preach right now and say, yes, don't you see? That's what it's all about. God became flesh, and he knows exactly what it's like to be one of us. Only he was without sin. And his blood made a way for us to have the most intimate relationship we could ever fathom with the one who created us, the one who knows us inside and out, the one who wove us together in our mother's womb, the one who said, you are mine. Wow. So I'm going to play a song, and I just want you to have your moment with God and commune with him. And take these emblems when you're ready. And um, let's just press in. Some of you may know this song. Uh, some of you may not. It's called I Speak Jesus. And like I said before, he really is all we need. It's that simple. We just need him in everything. All right. I'm going to have a seat as well. We can just press into the Lord in this moment. I know this. 
We speak the name of Jesus over our lives, our minds, our families, our children, our loved ones. We speak the name of Jesus to all anxiety, all depression, all hopelessness, all worry, all fear, all depression. We speak the name of Jesus. Father, in this moment, we glorify you and we lift you up and we exalt you and we honour you and we place you in the highest place. You alone are the King of kings. You alone are the Lord of lords. You alone are the only one worthy to receive all the praise and the honour and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever 
and ever and ever. Great are you, Lord. Today we submit ourselves to the name of Jesus. We come under your covering. We come and stand under your name. And we ask Jesus that you would go into those boxes, into those garden beds, into those areas of our lives that need your attention, that need your love and your care. And that, Father, today you would have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Whew. Well, that's just to get us started. <laughs> Lots more ahead, but we're going to pause for morning tea and um, just have a cuppa, something to eat together, and some sweet fellowship, and then um, we're coming back in for some God time. <laughs> it's all God time, isn't it? He doesn't compartmentalize. He doesn't say, oh, you're talking, I'm not going to be there. How many problems? have been supernaturally solved because of a God conversation. <laughs> so let's get our expectation up because God is going to do great things. Yep, if you want to head out to the foyer when you're ready, um, I'm going to head to the coffee machine and you can come and let me know if you want tea, coffee, hot chocolate, hot water, whatever you like. <laughs>